Welcome to Unsuitable on Ray Radio, the award-winning financial services and business advisory podcast that challenges your old school business practices and their traditional business suit culture. Our guests are industry professionals and experts who will challenge you to think beyond the suit and tie while offering you meaningful modern solutions to help enhance your company's growth and leadership strategies. I'm your host, Dave Kane. Last week, Maureen Metcalf, CEO of Metcalf & Associates, was here to talk to us about innovative leadership and why it's absolutely necessary to become an innovative leader at the risk of becoming obsolete. Today, we're thrilled to have Maureen back. Thanks for joining us again. We really enjoyed last week's episode, and uh, we re-upped your contract. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. How about that? We're going to jump right into this uh, leadership discussion. But first of all, before we we do that, we have to dive into a little bit of a personal question, if you don't mind. You know, what do obviously you are a guru, leadership trainer? What kind of music do you listen to? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Okay. And you got a favorite artist? The Toll. The Toll. The Toll. Are they uh, they still around? There's well, some of their people are still around. They're not dead. Yeah. But the band doesn't still perform. Yeah. But maybe they will. Yes. Yeah, By you know, special request. Did, uh, didn't they travel once with the uh, Ramones? Was that that band? And I love the Ramones. Oh, me too. They were far better than uh, the that toll. other group, the Toll. <laughs> so now we know what leaders listen to. <laughs> so let's, um, you know, let's jump into, uh, last week you talked to us about the seven competencies of yeah. leadership. And if you can just uh, list them uh, one through seven as a reminder for mm-hmm. our our listeners, and then I want to pick off a couple of these and mm-hmm. dive a little bit deeper. So sure. go ahead, give us start with one. So I'm going to say these are both behavioral and mindset competencies. Okay. So I can tell by someone's behavior, and and you can mimic it. But then there there is also how I think about it. So let me use the first one: professionally humble. And we can all think of politicians who have violated this. So they say the right thing. In public, and then their mic's on, and they say completely the wrong thing. That hasn't been happening lately, has it? <laughs> Only Sorry, since I interrupted you. Mics. I wouldn't allow to interrupt you. <laughs> well, so, so the reason I say that is it's good to, to mimic until you get there, but it's even better to be there. So, right, having the right mindset matters. So, professionally humble, unwavering commitment to right action, 360 degree thinker, intellectually versatile highly authentic and reflective, able to inspire followership, and innately collaborative. Okay. Great. Thanks for uh, uh, reminding us of, of those uh, competencies. And mm-hmm. again, are those competencies listed on your, your website? Can we jump on your website? And can you give us your website address real, sure. real quick? Thank you. It's www.metcalf.com dash associates.com. They are published in a book, Leadership 2050, Critical Challenges, Key Contexts, and Emerging Trends. And it's the chapter first talks about emerging trends. So co-written by Susan Cannon, a futurist, and Mike Morrowfox, who was the leader in developing the competencies. And so it's on the blog and the, the address is metcalf-associates slash leader dash 2050 dash competency, dash model, or just go to blog and type in Leadership you got 2050. Just go to the website and there's a lot of stuff on there. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd run through all the awards you've won, but we'd be here for another hour and a half listing those. So listeners, check out the website and you'll see a lot of information, a lot of free stuff. 
A lot of free and, stuff. As well. So, um, but I want to talk about, I want to pick off the couple of the competencies. One is uh, number six, I think, on your list uh, was inspire. And leaders need to inspire. And what are some of the programs and things that you can do to a leader to help them inspire the, the crew? So first is evaluate if you are inspiring. So, so kind of a 360 assessment, whether you do a formal one or an informal one. If you ask the question, people tell you the answer in many cases, or they'll tell somebody that thinks they won't tell you. So are you inspirational? And, and so here's some of the, the characteristics. So first has the special ability to connect with people at all levels of the organization to create a shared vision. So that means I have to understand where we're going. I have to be able to diffuse conflict without sidestepping it. One of the tools that I think is highly useful is to use humor to put people at ease. You are brilliant at that. Well, thank you. You're trying to get another invite back to the show, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I want to be you on like, the following. You week. like the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Has to be able to relate to a broad range of people and truly be able to connect with them. So most people can walk around, say, hello, remember your name, right? But but there's a difference between that and truly getting where you are and treating you like you're a special person. We're, we're busy and often leaders just don't take the time to do that. And if I don't understand the range of people working for my organization and what motivates them, then I am likely to lose their trust. So, you know, I'd, I had listened to on one of your podcasts information that you sent to me that one of the leaders, one of the executives that you were working with had mentioned that they spent a, a lot of time on, on Facebook and I found that rather odd. And then as you dove into that discussion, they were using it to just find out more information about their employees so they could talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, where did they go on vacation? Or maybe there was a family event. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And that was part of inspiring the workforce, showing you care. It also presents some challenges if people are posting completely inappropriate stuff on Facebook. So for anyone who's posting on Facebook, unclad photos, um, how much you hate your boss. Be careful. <laughs> it's not helpful. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's an interesting use of, of Facebook, and you have a good point. Just be, be careful because some uh, uh, executives, some leaders are using that to find out in a very positive way mm-hmm. what their mm-hmm. what their team is is yeah. doing. They want to be connected. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that's mm-hmm. one way to connect, especially when you have a generational workforce that's across the board. So, what are what are some other things that you see or don't see as far as inspiration in a in a leadership position? You know, I have to be trustworthy. I have to to do what I say, and tying to authentic and reflective. None of us are going to get it right all the time. I have to own my mistakes. And again, there's an ability to own and not look like a dope. Because if we want to inspire people, we have to look like we know what we're doing. But there's a balance between that big ego, I've always got it right, and I'm darn good, and I'm continually learning. We're facing challenges we haven't seen, and we're all learning through the process. You know, in last week's episode, you talked about uh, one of the leadership strategies you use mm-hmm. would be to do an assessment. Mm-hmm. And as you go in and do this assessment, let's talk about that for a minute. Is if you, you and I are talking and I take the mm-hmm. assessment, will you be able to gauge from the questions in the assessment mm-hmm. my level of inspiration? 
and whether that's a blind spot for me. So, so there are a range of assessments. If I did a 360, so, so 360 being people from right. various parts of the organization evaluate me, I could tell your people who work for you, your peers, your boss, and a group of others, which could be clients or, or colleagues. If they evaluate you, I can often find where you have blind spots. And it can be different with different groups. You may have a group of peers who just thinks you walk on water. But with your boss, you have a different set of expectations of that person. And you may be a little less compassionate because they're supposed to be running the place. And so we see a broad range. Some people are fabulous with their direct reports. And other people are just mean, right? They're nasty to people who work for them. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of that. (laughs) You know, even though talent is hard to find, we don't, we don't, you know, life's too short. We don't need, we don't need mean people, do we? So let's switch to collaboration. A lot of ground to cover here. What are you seeing with your clients? And let's start with the lack of collaboration. Give us a couple examples or stories where collaboration just isn't happening. You know, often it's people working in silos. And I think I've mentioned it before, but but this idea that I feel like I'm supposed to have the answer. So if I reach out and ask people, it means I'm somehow not good enough. And or I don't want to deal with those people who are going to disagree with me. It's a whole lot easier. Often, either I don't want to deal with different points of view or I'm just too busy. You've got to get stuff done. All of us are feeling like our hair's on fire all the time now, or most of us do. So this quest to just, I've got to get it off my to-do list so I can get the next thing done. And collaboration takes time. And when I have to deal with different points of view, forces me to look at things differently. And I have to have the interpersonal skills to say, thank you for sharing that, but I see it differently. Now, how do we create a solution that integrates these multiple points of view, especially when I don't want to? It's easier to do it my way. Sure. Especially when I own the company. You know, what if what if we're having a discussion, we're having a collaboration mm-hmm, discussion, mm-hmm. I'm asking uh, uh, your opinion, your advice on some things, mm-hmm. and ultimately, I don't follow that. I just don't think that's the right avenue, right direction. How should I respond back to you? So I'll say personally, earlier in my career, I didn't ask for input because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the fact that people were going to disagree. And then I have to figure out how to do exactly what you're saying. Now, when I ask for input, right up front, I'm saying, I'm asking people with a lot of different points of view. I'm going to do my best to synthesize them. And none of us is going to get exactly what we asked for. So one is clarifying up front and circling back with people after. This is what I recommended and this is why. So it's a beautiful learning opportunity, but I also can't ask everyone in the world for feedback because I can't integrate all of it and I can't go back to all of them. So I am really selective about who I ask. I have to know why I'm having the conversation, especially if it's a deep conversation, not just a surface in the hallway. Hey, what do you think? I picked you for this reason, this is what I want to understand, and this is what I'll do to follow up with you. You know, do you ever see in an organization where, yes, we're going to collaborate. Uh, I'm going to ask this group over here to collaborate on this issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's a minor, let's call it mm-hmm. a minor issue. Mm-hmm. However, 
I don't think I'm going to ask you to collaborate on the major issues. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. those just are... <laughs> Window dressing? You know, that's right. <laughs> We're just going to handle that in the boardroom or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but, but you guys can handle collaboration on the dress code. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I want your input on developing a new product. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, here's where it's a complex issue. Having been on a board looking at strategic direction, there are some things that are the board's job. Right, so we'll get input, but our job is to set the direction. And so we did a community, a lot of open space kind of conversations, and we learned a lot from the community. And then we went in the boardroom, we came up with a strategic plan. We did send it out for comment, but we also had to turn it around because there was a really big thing happening with this organization. So so it's often an imperfect process. And we didn't go back to each of those community stakeholders and say what we did. So I again, it, we're always balancing how much input can we get given the time we have and given what we have to deliver and given the, the expense. Sure. You know, these seven competencies that we talked about, is there, is there one that as you go into an organization, obviously you assess, mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. the 360s, mm-hmm. but is there one that, that you just have to have? It's a must. You know, there's no negotiation. This is a competency you must have. You know, one that strikes me is highly authentic and reflective. So if I'm not able to reflect, I'm not learning. And if I'm not learning, I'm not innovating myself. So I think this idea of curiosity and reflection and and authenticity, I'm differently authentic with different people. Yeah, there are people we know who are just jerks. You really don't want them to be completely authentic, right? So there's some balance. An authentic jerk, right? <laughs> right. And then they're like, well, but you told me to be authentic. Yeah, but not that much. So, so with everything, there's a balance. We want people to be authentic and caring and grace, gracious and reflect. What, what am I learning about myself as I go into a meeting? When I'm driving out of here, I'm going to think about what I said, and there's probably something I'm going to wish I had not said, and I'll continue to get better. If we're not doing that, we're going to eventually fall short. You know, I, I know the answer to this question. I'm always good at asking questions I already know the answer to, but, you know, we're, we're profits, you know, the, the rush for profits, the race for profits mm-hmm. is at mm-hmm. an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Can you tell when you go into an organization if leadership is lacking, profits are lacking, even though you don't see the numbers, you know, with your experience, can you just tell? I would say sometimes profits are fine, but if leadership's lacking, then it's a lagging indicator. Right, so so think of leading sure. lagging indicators. If if my, I'm not sure I use that right. If I go in and see really sloppy leadership, even if they're profitable now, if they continue to behave that way, so let's use Enron as an example, right? They did too much, and they were greedy. So had they, if you looked at their leadership team, an expert probably could have said, had they done it differently, they'd still be in business. Our our utility industry would be very different and potentially better. We were moving toward having trading floors and some things that would have helped a lot of people if structured properly. But if you look at the leadership team, and they may have been, I don't know them, I, and I'm not an expert on that case. I happen to be working in the utility industry at the time, and there is a rush right, for profits. Right. And you know, I mean, you're, you're, as experience, you know, you can mm-hmm. tell. Yeah. And innovative leadership, I would 
I, I would say, leads to sustainable profits yeah, and so success. think of conscious capitalism. That whole move toward triple bottom line, if folks are doing that, then they are able to sustain it versus the one and done kind of behavior. Okay. As we wind down the podcast, give our listeners two things to do in the next 30 mm. days to become a better leader. I'd say go on the website, www.metcalf-associates.com, not Tom, um, and take the free online innovative leadership assessment. It is at the bottom of every page except the blogs, and on the blogs, it's on the right-hand side. So free, I will not track you down. And read the blog post on the Leadership 2050 competencies. Two things to get started. And of course, if uh, our listeners... uh, want to get a hold of you or engage, they can call Ray and Associates or they can jump on your website <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, There's a and get a hold of you. And Google me. I'm seems like I'm everywhere. You're all over you're all over the United States. Where's the next travel spot? Where are you headed? Any place good? You know, I've just gotten back from a lot of travel. I'm looking forward to being home for a couple of weeks. Put your feet up and catch your breath. I'm not sure I'm putting my feet up, but I'm working from home. There you go. Maureen, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on Unsuitable once again. The topic of innovative leadership is certainly one that needs to be talked about time and time again. And a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this week's podcast. And I hope you will take advantage of Maureen's free advice on our website to become the innovative leader your company deserves. If you enjoyed today's episode, let us know. Like it, comment, or share it. And don't forget to check out videos of our podcast on YouTube. Until next time, I'm Dave Kane, encouraging you to loosen up your tie and think outside the box. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.